You're listening to STS Podcast. We pray that this message will encourage you and give you hope throughout this week. Well, good morning, ladies and gents. I'm glad you guys and gals are here this morning. Um, It's going to be a great day. Philippians chapter 2. How many of y'all like to or have been at least once in your life? Either you've done it before or you would like to have gone camping. Anybody have done the camping experience? Like, I like to camp. I really enjoy to camp. I don't like to hike, though. I don't like to hike, but I like to camp. Um, But exactly, and I know I'm weird like that, but you also got to understand, I hate running. So it's like those two things, it's like, yeah, so they just don't mix. But I really like to go camping. And one of my favorite parts of camping, and my dad taught me this when we would go fishing and uh, we would be camping, and he would look up at the sky. And if you've ever been in the forest or if you've ever been in a campground or anything, you see the trees, but then there's like an opening. Has anybody, you know, maybe if you look up, and it's like it's dark because of the trees, but there's like a perfect circle, it seems like often, that, that you just look straight up in there. And so as you look up in there, my dad always called, uh, called that, that was the hole into the sky you look up there and you can see stars. And I got to thinking about stars because here in the city, you can't see a ton of stars. I mean, you can see a few, um, especially if you're downtown, it gets really, really hard to see stars. But if, as the farther you get away from the ambient light, the more stars that you see. In the observable universe, there are about how many, and how many stars? Anybody have a guess? A lot. Very good. Thank you. Jesus? No, that's not the right answer. But how many, how many stars do you think? One billion in the observable universe that we can see. Now, in our observable universe, there are more stars than that. But on a clear night, it's said that you can see an estimated between 5,000 and 9,000 stars at once. Like, between, if it's clear and there's not, you're not around a big city, you're out kind of in a field or up in the mountains, and you can look out and you see this vast array of stars. Not looking through the trees, but you have an open sky. You can see 5,000 to 9,000 stars at one time. And, and it, I mean... If you can count that high, I can't count that high, but you can probably count them and I just try not to lose your place. And then you think about this. It takes, for some stars, it takes about four years for the light, four light years, if you will, for the light from a star to get to Earth. Some stars are more than that because it's, they're farther away. But four years from the time that star sheds light and shines light, it comes, it takes about four years to get some of them to get to earth. And we always, we think about stars and this ties into what we're talking about this, this morning and shining like stars. You've probably heard this before at some point in your lives if you've grown up in church that we, we must shine like stars in the universe. Anybody ever heard that before? Maybe some of you, maybe you haven't and that's okay. But that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's, and, and it's said that we should shine like stars in the universe. And it's, a, it's, it's not just a good verse, this is a great verse. Like this, to me, this portion of Philippians chapter 2 is huge. I mean, Paul really is just, man, it's just amazing. Um, the first part, we'll, we'll kind of break it down. Think about this. I already gave you the answer, but I'm gonna, I want you to see if you're listening. Why do you think there are more stars in the country or out, out in the wilderness or on the mountains than there are in the city? Light pollution? Is that what you said? That is awesome. That's not what I was going to say. That's way better than what I was going to say. Light pollution. Now, so explain that. Somebody explain what light pollution is. Or you can, So much light you can't see the stars. And light pollution, man, I love that. 
Paul kind of talks about that here in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to take a look at that this morning. And Paul really is trying to encourage. Remember, this is the book of joy. And if you ever are discouraged in your walk with Christ, read Philippians. It should encourage you. And he's uh, even more so encouraging Philippians in chapter 2. So let's dive in. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to talk about light. We're going to talk about light pollution. And we're going to talk about what Paul has to encourage us today in, uh, in a God's Word. So I'm going to pray. We're going to dive into Scriptures. Hopefully you're ready to, to roll with it because there's a lot of meat in here. God, I love you. I thank you for each and every teenager that's in this room. They're not here by accident. They're here for a purpose. You have something to say to them, and I pray that you would speak to them this morning through your Word. Let your words come out of my mouth. Don't let it be anything that I say. God, let it be all you. And Lord, I love you, and I thank you for this opportunity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we get started, verse 12, we're going to start in verse 12. And right out of the gate, what's the first word in verse 12? Therefore. So if we ever see therefore, what do we have to ask? What's the question we ask? What's the therefore, therefore? Very good. So Paul just got done saying that your attitude must be like Christ Jesus. And it explains, for the next few verses, explains exactly what Jesus did. Basically, he humbled himself to the cross, he considered others above himself, and he loved us enough that he went to the cross for our sins. He, he, he was the epitome of love, and he was the epitome of humility. And so he goes through that, and Paul says this bold statement, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That is a bold statement. And he's not saying like he's pointing his finger down at the Philippians. He's not, he's not cursing them, not trying to make them feel bad. He's encouraging them. Look, your attitude should be the same. You, you, you don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Consider others better than yourselves. Like he's encouraging them to walk just like Christ did. For the next few verses, he just brags on Jesus, and it's really awesome. And then he gets to verse 12, and he says, Therefore, because I've said, all of that, he says this, therefore, my dear friends, time out one more time, and, and then we'll dive into the rest of the verses. But when he says, my dear friends, this is like he put his hand on the shoulder of the Philippians and said, man, I love you so much. And he's grinning, and he's saying, I want you to grasp this. I want you to get it. These people, he loved the Philippians so much. He loved the Philippians so much. And when he says that term of endearment, my dear friends. That is so close. And you can feel his love out of what he's saying. And so he goes on to say this. As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Remember, he's in jail while he's writing this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I'm going to say it one more time. Do everything do everything, everything, this is hard, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, pot calling the kettle black, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Last verse, 16. As you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. So if we were to break this verse down like we always do, um, I tell you, it's easy to read this scripture and it's, re easy, it's really easy to just kind of pick it apart and just say, yeah, I've read this before, I've heard this before. Um, but to break it down, 
I think it, it really illuminates stuff for us and really shows Paul's heart, even going back to the original language and just trying to see what he's saying. And so right out of the gate, he says, my dear friends, he's talking to his buddies, he's talking to his pals, he's talking to the Philippians that he loves so much. As, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He's saying, I'm not there. I've heard about how well you're walking with Jesus. He said, man, it's, 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 it's being told to me that you're doing really, really, really well. I'm not around you, and you were doing good when I was there, but I'm not there, and you're just rocking for the Lord. And then he says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me explain that workout. You know, how many of you work out? Yeah, that's good. How many of you, like, you don't need to work out. Your muscles are already, like, chiseled. Exactly, Charles. So he says work out. And now, this is a little different. This is a little different. This is not justification that he's talking about. He's not saying that you do things in order to be saved. It's not justification. This is sanctification. This is one of those big words that you hear in church a lot of times, this sanctify, sanctification. And it, they did nothing, and they need to be reminded, just like we do, that they did nothing to save themselves. They did nothing to earn their salvation Yet it's the believer's duty to actively pursue the things of God. That's what sanctification is. Now, we don't do anything. The Philippians didn't do anything to receive what Paul just talked about in Jesus other than God just loving them so much that he called them out and chose them. And so what he says is you have to be sanctified. You have to work out your salvation. This is something not for works, not that we'll gain merit with God, not that the Philippians would know God more. What he's saying is the overflow. Because God has saved you, Philippians, you should want to be like Christ. Remember, he says in verse 5, your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. And then he says this. He says, you need to work out your salvation. Continue, keep going. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he's not saying like being scared, it's not being timid, it's not like hiding under a rock, it's not like that. It's whenever you see fear and trembling, what Paul or any of the Old Testament writers, that, that's very common, is saying that God is so big that he can take you out in an instant. He's saying he's so big he can do whatever he wants to do. And it, he doesn't have to ask your permission, he doesn't ask, have to ask your explanation, or, or he doesn't have to go to you. He just does what he does because he's God and he can and because of that, that should cause us to go, whoa, he's a holy God. He's perfect. He's never messed up. And I should fear him, not out just fear him like, oh God, please don't hurt me. But oh God, you have the power. You're big enough. You're strong enough. You're, you're mighty enough to do whatever you want. And so he says, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. And we're going to talk about that again tonight in community groups. Uh, God working through you, uh, works in you to, do, to will and to act according to his good purpose. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. But then he moves on to something else. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. How many of you, if you were to be honest, you complain every once in a while? All of us, okay, good. We're all honest. It's an honesty circle. That's good. How many of you have ever been in an argument? Throw your left hand up. So, so we've all been in an argument before. We've done things uh, complaining and arguing. And what he's saying, 
This is what he really means when he's saying, I want to kind of break this down, in the complaining. Do everything without complaining. That complaining literally means to talk under your breath. How many of you have said, you don't have to raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but your mom and dad have said something and and you say something under your breath and and then they go, what would you say? And you go, nothing, I didn't say anything. And they're like, I ain't stupid, I heard you. Like, that's what it means, talking under your breath. Like, you saying something so smart, but you don't really, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have the guts to say it to them, but we just say it under the breath because we're just complaining. It's just for the sake of complaining. Like, oh, I can't believe they're doing stupid. And that's, that's what he's saying by complaining. But then he switches. He takes it a little deeper, arguing. He says, uh, qu- arguing means questions or criticisms towards God and his will. Like he's saying to Philippians, don't argue about God's will in your life. God has something for you. Don't argue about it. Don't fight it. If God's telling you to do something, do it. Don't push back. Don't argue with it. If people at church, if me as a, as a pastor, Paul is saying, I'm encouraging you, do the things that I'm encouraging you to do. He's saying not out, out of just pride out of humility God's called you to such a time and don't argue about it why don't you complain and why don't you argue the Philippians are probably asking themselves at this point he says so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without finding fault in a crooked and depraved generation I'm going to hit these so fast because if I don't say this you're not really going to understand what Paul's literally really meaning blameless really quick blameless living in such a way that no one can accuse you of sinning that's what he's saying don't let anyone that's in the towns around you Philippians don't let anyone be confused by your actions you need to be blameless And that's tough. And he's saying this, and he's saying this because he loves them. He's not trying to be a jerk. He's saying this because he loves them, and he wants them to understand that you have to be blameless. But then he takes it a little bit deeper. He says pure. Now, theologians and and people that are way smarter than me, they took it down to another level. And what they did is that to, to... give this analogy what they think Paul was saying. It was like when they would put metal into a fire and melt it down. And what that metal would do, or excuse me, what that fire would do, it would burn out all the impurities. All the impurities would be burned out, and then just what's left is the precious, pure metal. And what Paul's trying to say is you have to be pure. You have to be innocent. You have to be innocent. Just like a metal is pure, Philippians, you you gotta you gotta live this out. Remember, you have to you have to continue to work out your salvation. But then he he's speaking to the believers, and then he talks about people who don't know Jesus, and he says a crooked and depraved generation. So there's a path, and what he's he's explaining there's a path, and it's like stumbling off the path. It's like. It's like when, do you know, if, have you ever seen like in Savannah or you go to uh, New York or you've seen places that have carriage rides and the horses have these blinders on? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And they're looking down. Do you know why they have the blinders on? So they don't get distracted because horses are really easily distracted. So they have these on so they don't get off the path. They go straight along. 
And what Paul is saying in that crooked, if, if this was a path right here, is saying, oh, something caught my attention, and I'm going to go over here and hang out. That's what Paul is saying. And then he takes it another step further. He says, depraved. Like, this is a hardcore word, depraved. What he's meaning is, if this is the path, I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to hang out here for a little bit, but then I'm going to go across the path, and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to zigzag a lot because I don't even care. I don't care the path of what God has. I might come in a little bit and check it out, but listen, I'm, I'm doing my own thing, and I'm just going to go back and forth and go over the path. This depraved. I might even go backwards. You know why? Because it's my world, and I do what I want to do. And that's what he's saying, the depraved generation. A crooked and depraved generation. And what blows me away, honestly, I think about their time. I think about when they lived, when Paul's walking around in Rome and he's, ta he's talking to Philippians. He, you know, he's writing this letter to Philippians as he's in jail in Rome. I think, man, he's talking a crooked and depraved generation then? He ain't seen nothing. He ain't seen nothing to this generation where you see crookedness and depravity all over the place. And he says, look, as a believer, Philippians, you can't be like them. Why? Because you shine like stars in the universe. You shine like stars in the universe. You stand out as you hold out the word of life. Because you can't do anything else on your own. You have to be devoted to the word in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. What Paul's saying there, he's being very humble when he says this. He said, I want to boast to God for what he's done and that I just didn't do this for the sake of just doing it. What Paul's saying is, he's, like, he's not saying, this is just my job and this is just something that I do. I'm living this out. And I love you enough, Philippians, to tell you what God has put on my heart to tell you. So, question how do you feasibly shine like stars in the universe how do you shine like stars around the people whose light is so bright for other things that it seems to dim yours when you're when you're in that light pollution and there's so much light around you how does that is that is false light if you will ambient light how does your light stand out? And how do you stand out for Jesus? And I think, it's, I think we have to answer one of three questions. One of three questions. Because you have to figure out what kind of, of light you are. At the end of the day, I really think everyone in this room, everyone listening to this podcast, how do you shine like stars? Because you have to ask yourself, what kind of light are you? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this question down. Really simple. A. Are you a star that shines bright? When I think about this, what Paul is saying, remember he says that you need to be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And what he's saying is blameless and pure, but you can't be blameless and pure if you're not a child of God. And so I ask this question, are you a star that shines bright? Well, if you're a child of God, if you would claim that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a light 
that's in you. You have a light that's burning in you. You remember that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel? No, no I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan... Y'all didn't do that? That's why. It out. I'm going to let it shine. It's like seeing if the microphone's on. That's, how, that's what it is. That was a joke for our, our praise band members. But check it out. Are you a star that shines bright? Are you blameless and pure? And that's a deep question. Like, that's one of those things that when you say that and you hear, as I say that, or you hear a speaker say that, it, co- it comes convicting. It comes convicting because what it, it really says, remember, do we live in such a way that no one can accuse you of sinning? So if Paul tells us that we have to be blameless, can people look at your lives and tell a difference? Or is there a difference between the lost world and your life? Is there a difference between the crooked and depraved generation and how you live? He says you need to be blameless. And it's hard, I get it, Dan, that no one can accuse you. Because people are accusatory all the time. But how do you live that? Some versions say that live above reproach. So that no one would look at us and go, ah, that doesn't make sense. I thought he said he was a Christian. I thought he said he was a Christian. Because Paul says we not only have to be blameless, but we have to be pure. Because here's the deal, we have to be pure, listen, and this is the exciting part, because we have been made pure. We've been made pure through the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus has done on the cross and and dying for our sins because we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are made pure and we have the ability to live that out. Yes, the enemy's going to come hardcore and yes, he's going to attack you and yes, he's going to pull out all the stops, but you have to stay on the path to the cross. You can't do it on your own. And that's what sanctification is like. You go, okay, God, I know you're living in me. You're not just around me. You're inside of me. Help me do this. My life, uh, my, my wife was, uh, well, she is my life. My wife, my wife. Same thing. She encouraged me yesterday. She, I, I went and saw my mom. It was her 60th birthday, happy birthday, mom, if you're listening. She's probably not the happy birthday anymore. But um, I went and saw my mom, and uh, I'm on my way down to Loganville. It's like an hour and five minutes, but because of 85, it's forever. And um, so I get down there, and or I'm on my way, and Megan's like, she texts me. She's like, you really need to download this CD. Like, you really need to download this album, and she's doing it on the way down. The whole time, the whole trip. I was like, all right, I'll listen to it. And so I did. Because I'm a good husband and I'm doing what my wife told me to do. But here's the deal I'm listening to it, and the very first song, the very first song is called The Mention of Your Name. The Mention of Your Name. And the chorus goes like this At the mention of your name, every chain will break. At the mention of your name. Now think about that. What an encouragement that was to me. At the mention of Jesus' name, everything goes away because I know Him and what He's done in my life, so I want to pursue Him. So we need to understand that if we are a light that shines bright, we don't do it on our own. It's Jesus shining through us. But then 
We go to B. Question B. Are you a star that's burnt out? Are you a star that's burnt out? Remember how I said that some stars, it takes four years for the light to get to Earth? Some stars? If it takes that long, some of those stars burn out before the light gets to Earth. Think about that. So by the time it gets to us, there's a good chance that that star is gone. Burn out. And for some of us in this room, for some of you in this room, man, you had that light burning so bright, so bright, and things were going so well, and then something got you off path. And you were, you were rocking with Jesus. Everything was going so well with Jesus, but you got distracted. Kind of like what uh, Paul told the Galatians, like, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? It stops you from obeying the truth. He says, a little yeast affects the whole batch of dough. He says, right here, he said, listen, are you a life that's burnt out? It's not surrendering patience. So you know Jesus. You've prayed a prayer of salvation. If you walk the aisle or you talk to your parents, maybe you know in your heart, look, I know I know Jesus. And you're so excited right out of the gate that something's coming in the way. Whether it be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a relationship or an addiction, something's gotten in the way that's thrown you off. It's thrown you off. And what Paul says, he says you don't need to be like this because you have to continue to work out your salvation. You have to continue to be sanctified. You have to continue not to just do things for the sake of doing things, but do things because that's what Christ would have you do. You have to be holy. You have to be spotless. You have to be pure. Is it hard? Yes, but I'm at least going to try. Because the worst part about a church, or worst part, I say, I say probably one of the worst parts. I wouldn't kind of claim it as the worst part, but maybe one of the worst parts in a church is when people walk in and they're fake. And their light shines so bright that in their hearts it's dim. They come in an SDS, and man, you, you, you remember that time, and you really want to worship, and you really want to praise, but you feel like you're too far gone. And Paul doesn't want that. He says, listen, you have to continue to work out this salvation. If you've fallen, if you've, if you've tripped up, if you've kind of gotten off the path, you can come back. That's patient. Know Jesus. Let Him work that in you. But there is a responsibility that you have as well. You have a responsibility in that. So I want to ask you, A, are you a star that shines brighter? B, are you a star that has burned out? Or C, are you a light that's stemming other lights? Are you a life that's stemming other lights? Knowingly or unknowingly? What does that look like? What does that look like if you're a light that's stemming other lights or if you're that light pollution? How are you bringing that light so bright? It's putting yourself above others. It's being very, very selfish. At the end of the day, it's doing things that point back to you. It's doing things that make you above others. It's getting the attention. It's gratifying the sinful nature 
And quite possibly, you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and He's not living inside of you. So you you you're doing it unknowingly. You're just you're just doing this on your own. Or Jesus is inside of you, and it's and you're just singing. It's all about me. It's all about me. Everything's about me. When it should be all about Jesus. And so all of us are in one of these three places. I truly believe that. Some of us are shining bright. Some of us, stars have burned out. And then some of us in this room, our lights are dimming other lights. And how do we combat that? How do we all, at the end of the day, I think we would all want us all to be a light that shines bright. We've done this before a couple weeks, uh, months ago. Remember that Sunday when we had uh, the power went out in SDS? Remember that? It was crazy, but it was so awesome. So people were using their cell phones, and it was darkness. And then when one of, once you all put the lights together, it was like, ooh, shine bright. Imagine, imagine if each and every one of you in this circle shone bright. Imagine if each and every one of you came together and said, as a student ministry, I want to shine bright for the King. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people do. I don't care how people look at me. I'm going to shine bright. Man. And here's the deal. I think we don't do that because too many of us are scared to shine our lights by ourselves. And that's a valid thing. I really do. I think it's a valid, valid thing. It's, it's scary to walk out in that water. It's scary to go out in that darkness. It's scary to be alone. And I truly believe this. It's, it takes one person to step up and stand out and say, I'm going to shine my light bright for the king. And then someone else is going to go, you know what? I'm with you. And then someone else is going to go, I'm with you. And then we're just shining bright. We have this big star that is so bright in the city of Atlanta. It's like a beam that shoots up. And they go, man, there's something different about STS. There's something different about those kiddos. There's something. They're world changers. Not only in this whole world, but they're, they're world changers in their homes. They're world changers in their schools. They're world changers in their community. They're world changers in their groups. They're world changers all around because they are letting their light shine. And they aren't scared about it. And my question is, what if? What if? What if Right. What if we went to school tomorrow and we did not say, we did not do, we did not, we did not look at, or we did not listen to the things that the world is saying around us, and we say solely focused on Jesus? That means freedom. That means joy. It's not like when we, we follow Jesus, He puts these shackles on our wrists. No, He's broken those off so we can have freedom. And imagine what it would be like. Imagine if we came together and did what Paul said to the Philippians. Man, work out that salvation. I'm going to close on this. I'll show you this. So Paul says in verse... 15. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault, and a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Check this. He doesn't say you will shine like stars. He doesn't say if you do these things, you will shine like stars. 
you see it. It says, in which you shine like stars in the universe. As a believer in Christ, you're already shining your light. You're already shining bright. Sanctification, stick with Jesus, and we follow him, and we have that relationship with him that is unwavering. Would want us to, our hearts want us to know him more, and that's how our lives get brighter. Go and pray. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening. You can check out other messages of this and other series at stsatlanta.org slash podcast. Have a blessed day and hope to see you soon in SDS.